Joining us now in the KYMN studios is uh, Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. Uh, good morning, Matt. Thank you so much for coming in today and braving the uh, the elements to get well, here. Well, there's not many elements quite yet, Jeff, but uh, you know we know we've got some snow coming yeah. today. It's it's Minnesota. It's late November. Uh, snow is part of just what we live with. You know, uh, when I came in, really wasn't too bad. I think yeah. it started around five o'clock. Now it's getting a little slushier. Is it getting a little bit slippery out there? You know, my uh, my mile plus drive to the station here was not as slippery as it was uh, the last time I was here when uh, mm-hmm. it was just a little bit of snow. And so, of course, you know, a lot uh, depends of the roads, depends on is the snow fluffy or is it wet? Uh, what's the temperature? There's so many uh, variables and, you know, uh, snow closures and things like that are, are, are as Minnesotan as hot dish. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so I know that people always, you know, think about that and wonder. And, you know, it's a good time just to review with people that, you know, we, we of course, take, you know, student safety very seriously. But we also know that any time that we change the school schedule, uh, that that's a really significant challenge for uh, parents in our community. And so we, you know, are always balancing that. And, you know, just to give you an example of how we operated on this storm, uh, you know, we were watched, started watching the the weather forecast yesterday, uh, routinely checking the updates. Uh, I check in routinely with John Benjamin, uh, the owner of Benjamin Bus. We're looking at the forecasts. We've got a great partner uh, for schools in the National Weather Service. Uh, so they provide a great amount of detail for us about timing and things like that. They actually now uh, hold webinars, and so we had a webinar last night at 8 a.m. and another one this morning at 4.30 a.m. Uh, if snow had started to fall overnight, uh, myself and John and, and some folks from Benjamin Bus typically will drive the roads. I drive about six miles or so of country roads uh, on a morning like this if there was there was no snow at 4 a.m., so it didn't make sense to, to do that. But we go out early around 4 a.m., uh, and then we, of course, check in with the weather service. I can actually I have a number I can actually call the weather service. They're incredibly helpful. We our our policy says we have to make a decision by 5:30 a.m. So we're checking in with uh, John. We're checking in with uh, school districts that are adjacent to us as appropriate. In some circumstances, over the years, we've talked with law enforcement or road crews, uh, and then we make a call and uh, we do the best that we can with the information that we have at the time. You know, today's one where. We are on time today, and uh, it looks like the bulk of the snow will actually fall during the school day, start to taper at the end. Wind is not a factor today. Uh, so we, we consider all of those things. How much snow are we going to get? What's the timing of the snow? Uh, does visibility, is there an issue You know, with visibility? Uh, we, in extreme cold, You know, we don't really start talking about that changing our schedule till we get around negative 40 with the wind chill. We don't have a firm cutoff with that because every storm is just a little different. So, again, as Minnesotan as hot dish, the... Uh, love of of uh, calling about school and our first day, our first school closure for winter weather is a true Minnesota snow day, a rite of passage. But then, Jeff, with day two and beyond, we use e-learning days where students do work from home. All right. And there's probably a lot of uh, young people out there right now, some students are thinking, are we going to get out early today? Are we going to yeah, get out probably early not. today? It's but... highly unlikely. I mean, actually, here's an example. Some of the heaviest snow will be falling right around noon today, between noon and one. And so that's an example where someone might say, well, you know, you should release early. Well, it doesn't make sense to release people into the, the worst of the storm, right? When we know that uh, the forecasters are telling us it's going to start to taper in the early to mid-afternoon, you know, around uh, around dismissal time. So mm-hmm. uh, we do the best that we can to use the data that we have and uh, firsthand accounts and a lot of discussion. And and again, we, we do everything that we can to make sure we keep people safe and 
also do what we can to not disrupt family schedules. So uh, enjoy the beautiful snow here, but I wouldn't put too much stock that it's going to change the school schedule today. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's move on. You had a school board meeting last night, so uh, I'm going to start off by talking about uh, your uh, community education department because they, they were uh, cited. They, they won an award for They did. Uh, yeah, they were the part of a group. They do. Yeah. So really a wonderful, you know, one of the district's uh, strategic commitments is to partnerships, and that is where we will partner with nearly anyone who will help us accelerate uh, the achievement of our school district goals, our school district benchmarks. And uh, when we opened the Northfield Community Education Center, the former Greenville Park building, we really did see that as, of course, an early childhood center where we have a, a licensed child care uh, we have our preschool, we have early childhood special education, we have our adult, our adult basic education courses there, and our community education programming. And that's a great building to be um, a pivotal part for the community, especially on the north side of town. And so uh, a partnership with the Community Action Center and Carleton College uh, put a food shelf, uh, a small food shelf, a, a satellite food shelf, if you will, uh, in the former teacher's lounge at uh, the NCEC, the former Greenville Park building. And the Minnesota Community Education Association, so that's the statewide organization of community ed directors, um, they will highlight programs like this, or what they call a project award, that are doing good things for the community and really meeting uh, the spirit of what um, community education is all about, partnerships and bringing people together. So uh, Bob Lawrence from uh, the Community Education Association was uh, at the meeting last night and presented uh, the district, uh, the CAC, and uh, Carleton College with that award. And so we're very grateful to have uh, partners who come together for the betterment of our community and, and even better when people outside the district recognize it. All right. That's a good thing. Let's uh, let's move on. Sticking with uh, kind of a food-related thing. Sure, there you go. Let's go yeah. with a uh, child nutrition program. Have there been some some changes with that? Some updates or? So I, what I really wanted to do was to be able to highlight uh, this as an example of another one of our strategic commitments to stewardship, financial stewardship in this case. And so we run a very lean uh, district office from an administrative perspective. We really do everything that we can to focus our dollars uh, on uh, teaching and learning in classrooms. And so we try to make our administrative exp expenses as reasonable as we can. We have to have enough people to get the work done effectively, but that's the amount of people that we want uh, to be able to do that. So we operate with fairly little margin. But every time that we do have a resignation in one of our uh, departments, we do look at uh, the structure of that department, and we look at other positions and say, okay, is there a way that we could potentially, you know, do this same work for uh, less dollars uh, for the district? And so this is one such example. Uh, we uh, had a resignation of the administrative assistant in our child nutrition uh, department, and we had been long thinking about taking Stephanie Strummy's contract. She's our director of child nutrition from 43 to 52 weeks. On that 43-week contract goes back to an era when you shut school uh, kitchens down a week after school is out and opened them a week before school started. That just isn't the way it works anymore. Even pre-pandemic, we had a number of partnerships to help make sure that uh, students and families had an opportunity for some of these summer food programs that are available through uh, various organizations. So uh, part of the reorganization was to make Stephanie's contract 52 weeks from 43 and then sunsetting the original or the, the previous administrative position in that department and integrating the duties with our district office receptionist. So our district office receptionist, uh, Rachel Caspers, just does an excellent job for us and very efficient efficient and 
Uh, she had already been doing a little bit of the child nutrition work and is able to integrate it into her job. Now, she has a little bit of a change in her classification, but at the end of the day, with that reorganization, uh, we save uh, around, there's a, some general fund relief of around $36,000 because we're going to be able to charge part of Rachel's uh, day to the child nutrition fund. And so saving the general fund, as you know, we've talked about that a number of times over the last year is important. And I just shared this as an example with the community that uh, we just don't set it and forget it, right? When we have a, a change in positions, we look and say, is this still the best way to do this? And so uh, I think it's important for people to hear real-world accounts. I mean, $36,000 on a $60 million budget doesn't sound like a lot, but when you do this kind of thing consistently, it just shows our commitment to stewardship. One of the focuses that that you have had, and uh, from an administrative standpoint, the school board as well, is uh, over the course of really the last few months, but 2022 in general, in the last decade, uh, in general, actually, is it's a new high school. Yeah. And what we're going to do with that, and you've done a lot of work this uh, fall and talked to a lot of people, got a lot of input. Are we getting closer to a decision on what we uh, might be looking at uh, if there is a referendum coming up in 2023? So I think that uh, everyone listening, you know, has an opinion or maybe more than one opinion uh, on what should be done, you know, with Northfield High School. The building built in the mid-1960s in 2017. We did ask the community for a new high school. Uh, that was along with some elementary pro- projects and one bond referendum question, and that failed uh, decisively. And uh, in doing the autopsy of that election, we really understood it ha- was about the high school. You know, we brought the elementary projects back the next year and passed it handily. I think it was above 60% support for that. So uh, the high school, a lot of people like where it's located. A lot of people would like to see something new. Uh, it was built with a California model in the mid 1960s, and there's been, you know, both criticism and some things that that people uh, do do like about it. Mostly the location. So the board has been working on this uh, again for about a year now, uh, as we started to to look into it, and we've held a task force. Uh, the board really worked diligently to take the information from the task force to bring to some kind of consensus about what the direction would be. And I think they're, the board is really representative of where the community is at with this. Uh, we decided we needed more data. I shared with you the last time that we are maybe two times ago here that uh, we can conducted a um, scientific, professional, or randomized, stratified sample survey uh, conducted by Laura Morris Leatherman, uh, a popular uh, polling firm out of the Twin Cities, to help us do a, a, a survey of 400 registered voters. Again, a random sample, but really aligning with uh, the voter demographics in the community to give us the best information that we could. Uh, it gave us a, a clear, great support for the school district, people really thinking highly of the school district, thinking highly of the school district's financial management, uh, and understanding a need to do something uh, to Northfield High School. Uh, A new uh, building just isn't in the cards right now, and when we looked at what uh, voters could support financially, why they see the needs, what the survey uh, shared with us is that we would be able to probably get passage on around a hundred and thirty five dollar increase uh you know give or take a little bit uh on a three hundred thousand dollar home and so we uh you know we used that and back mapped it and uh looked at around a seventy seven million dollar target and the board discussed that and last night it's one of my roles as superintendent is to provide a recommendation to help the board come to some kind of consensus so the recommendation that I did make last night after all of that feedback, all of those kinds of discussions, uh, was proposing a, a three-question bond referendum uh, at some point, probably in 2023, and I can talk about that briefly in just a moment. But question one would be for $60 million to do a an in-place remodeling of the school. It would take care of all of the HVAC systems. That's really some of the internal systems that people don't see. 
those are things that are getting to end of life that really do need to be replaced here uh, in the next year or so. Uh, this is stuff that, again, you don't see when you go to a basketball game, right? But you, the students certainly know it when they know that the climate, uh, the temperature in the building isn't you know, exactly the same in all parts of the building. I know you've heard stories about that. But that $60 million would do things like that HVAC system, internal systems. It would modernize the classrooms by uh, updating windows, updating lighting, uh, interior finishes, uh, furniture, uh, things like that. Uh, it would create some more energy efficiency components as well. Uh, there'd be some security kinds of improvements, uh, functional updates to a lot of the laboratory areas like uh, the shops, the tech ed area, family consumer science, our science labs, uh, things for special education would be, we'd be required to make uh, the building more accessible to come into alignment with current disability codes, things like that. That'd be question one. Question two would be a $17 million bond reform only evaluated if question one passed. Uh, to expand our athletic facilities. And anyone who's listening uh, who has been in our school knows that we certainly are getting behind our neighbors when it comes to athletic facilities. So that $17 million would build a field house on the campus of Northfield High School specifically to support those indoor court sports. So think volleyball, think basketball, think some indoor track, think some potentially some indoor tennis, some pickleball. We'd look at a walking track so that it would be accessible to the community. We'd look for community partnerships through community education to be able to make you know, part of that facility available uh, to the community. Uh, so that would be really an athletic field house. And the third question would be for $3 million, and that would be to look at doing some artificial turf on fields adjacent to Memorial Field, really to expand the time of the year where we would be able to access those fields. If you've ever been on those fields in the early spring, you know it's tough, right? And so artificial turf on some of those practice fields or some of the fields adjacent to Memorial Field, uh, that would help us expand the length of time that we'd be able to use those fields for FIAD and whatnot during the year. Going back to the field house for just one moment, sometimes people when people hear field house and they think of, just think of four basketball courts. Is that That's what we're considering. Um, and I think the key thing is that's also a teaching space, right? So we know that our physical education department at the high school would use at least half of that almost all day, right? So it's also a classroom space as well. And many people don't think of a gym as a classroom, but our FIAD teachers certainly do. Uh, Ice Arena uh, is not something that was part of the recommendation last night, but it's still not off the table. We're working hard uh, with the city and with some other community partners, really pursuing a public-private partnership uh, that could hopefully solve that uh, issue for us and something I might bring back at a later date should we need to. Timing, uh, this is always a difficult one. We always prefer, as a school district, we will always prefer to hold an election in an November in an even year, right? It's the, the highest voter turnout. It's um, actually, if you look at the data, it's very good for schools You know, here on those days where we get a lot of voters to turn out. Uh, but at the same time, we do have, especially some of those internal systems at the high school, that we're not convinced it would be, it would not be wise. No, we're not, it would not be wise for us to wait that long because there are needs that need to be planned to be addressed within uh, the next, uh, before the time that election, you know, would start. So state law allows school districts to select from one of five dates during the year, a date in uh, February, April, uh, May, August, or November. Um, I, February is off the table, you know, um, so the board could consider some timing and something in May or something in November of 2023. I know sometimes people, when we, if, if any school district across the state runs an election on a day other than November, there's concern about low voter turnout and that you know the district uh, won't uh, do the kind of work it is to ensure that voters are aware. Jeff, I think you've seen um, me lead several uh, of these kinds of informational campaigns for the district, and 
with all of the stuff that was on this election ballot, I had people telling me they were sick of hearing me talk about the capital projects levy. So I can assure our listeners, if the board were to choose to do something other than a November election, I can assure you 100% that we would lead an informational campaign that would ensure everyone in the school district knows when the election is, what they're voting on, where to vote, how to vote, early voting, absentee voting, because that trust with the community is essential. So in a nutshell, that's what my recommendation was for the high school, and the board will consider that uh, in its, at its December meeting. And, of course, the public yeah. has to approve those questions. You know, I guess I have. We, we're almost out of time. Uh, a lot of questions, but we'll have more opportunities to talk about this. But one curiosity is, uh, as far as the design goes, uh, the uh, upgrades to the high school, the field house, will that all be attached to the building? Will it be separate? Will we need to have... Uh, Will we have to go outside to get back inside? It's a great question, and mm-hmm. that level of design has not taken place yet. What we can tell you is that that field house would be on the district property. It would be adjacent, if not connected, to the high school. We don't, don't know the answer to that yet. Uh, those are design decisions that come later. So when we come to the voters with a bond referendum, we are able to give them a lot of detail but that is a kind of detail that it would be yet to be worked out. Now, it very well could be worked out between now. If the board approves this, it very well would be worked out between now and the time that we start an informational campaign. But there is always a, just a slight amount of uh, not ambiguity, but pretty close to ambiguity when you bring something forward uh, in a bond election. Now, we have a history, right, in the projects that we've done. We have come incredibly close, right, to what people envisioned uh, before uh, the bond was passed. And we have a history of delivering for the community. So the 2018 bond referendum that the voters approved for around $41 million, 60% of the construction of those projects took place during the pandemic. Not only did they finish on time, but they finished where we had to bond for $2 million less than what the voters approved. On time and under budget, Jeff. And uh, what we do is we know how to work with partners. We know how to make sure we hold vendors accountable. And so... I think past performance predicts future performance. And in this particular case, this district has a a long history of delivering and actually uh, over-delivering on what it promised. One final question is uh, the near-term, short-term timeline. What's next in the process? So the the board at its December meeting will be asked to give us some direction on whether this is a proposal that they would like us to continue to pursue and prepare for. Um, there's quite a bit of lead time for an election, and so we need some time to be able to get those kinds of things going. So the sitting board would give us some direction in December. Then, of course, uh, you know, you have the uh, when the new board that's seated in January, they would have to do the approval of the actual ballot language of questions and things like that. There's timelines for that um, where it's appropriate to have that happen, you know, after January, probably earliest sometime in February. So this would be to give us direction to start doing the preparations for an informational campaign, uh, preparing for an election uh, in the time frame that the board directs us to do. And then uh, later on, the board would have another opportunity, right, as they have to approve the actual um, technical ballot language uh, that would be on the ballot. All right, Matt, we're out of time. Of course. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you so much for coming in. Great information. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again uh, in a couple of weeks. You got it. Thank you. All right. Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. We've got uh, Rich standing by with a look at local news coming up in just